Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of... Kero. My name is Hans. I'm Edward. And we are your hosts for now and forevermore. <laughs> or until Lags comes and takes oh, his way to my Never Never Land. If, because... if y'all knew what Edward and I have been trying for the last hour and a half to get working so that we could record today's episode of Gettle. I think you'd all subscribe to our OnlyFans. So, for love. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Um, if you are one of our regular listeners, welcome back, bitches. If so. you are new to Gettle, welcome to one of the internet's best repositories for gaming, entertainment, technology, and lifestyle news, reviews, previews, and information all rolled up in a wonderful geeky Apple package because you know you'll have to buy the extra. Uh, you know what? You know what? Just the fact that you know I adore the Apple ecosystem. You know this. You know I'm a, I'm a proponent of Apple products, and and the reason for that is because generally they work incredibly well. But when they don't work, <laughs> 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 this is this is this is this is the thing with the apple lifestyle it is amazing it is second to none when everything works but lo and behold you have a problem with something and my gosh tim cook is basically just bending you over and having a good time because jeez, man uh, the issues that we've that edward and i have been having (laughs) before this episode um you know before we could even get it recording is just specifically my side more than edward's side and I would imagine the reason for this is because Edward has the new M1 MacBook Air. And we all know the M1 processor is absolutely phenomenal. And it just, it creams through anything. No matter what you throw at it, it's just a, an mm-hmm. incredible architecture. And I have the feeling that macOS is slowly gearing towards preferring that kind of architecture over slowly. the Intel stuff. Okay, more like it just does. So Yeah, like, it just does. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, it makes sense. Because like, for example... The M1 chipset obviously has things like the U1 chip built in and things like that. So, you know, switching between devices, Apple devices is quick and easy. Whereas for me, on an Intel Mac, it doesn't have that chip as far as, I mean, I stand to be corrected. And so I will sometimes have issues with my devices connecting to my MacBook. I have zero issues between my my iPad and iPhone, mind you. It's just to my MacBook. Anyway, um... It was a mission to get this started. We have a whole lot of redundancies in place because of all the problems we were having. And with that in mind, Edward, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm actually good uh, compared to always. Our regular listeners will know you? that we always digress. And we've already digressed the moment <laughs> the episode starts. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, Edward, you know how I'm doing. Hmm. I'm not going to speak about it on the podcast. Um, but okay. um, all I'm going to say is the generic... I'm fine. <laughs> so you can... I'm fine. Everything is good. Everything yeah. is good. Please, please send care packages. I, I, I promise I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm, uh, you know, like I, I'm actually literally like, oh my gosh, like I know I'm joking about crying, but like the tears are literally on the verge. But anyway, don't worry, don't worry. It's nothing hectic in personal life or anything like that. It's just, I suppose, you know, stresses of COVID, everyone is going through it. So I don't feel that my scenario is any more special than anybody else's, which is why I'm refusing to talk about it. That's basically it. Or at least mm. and not talk about it in a public forum because I don't need freebies to make me feel better. Right, moving on to the episode. 
Um, oh, yes. So, Edward. Yes. With COVID and all, nice. this is a, an interesting thing that mm. I, I kind of wanted to speak about. You know we were attacked at the beginning of 2020. I suppose everybody on the podcast knows as well. It was literally our second episode where, because uh, straight after the first episode it happened. That was literally kind yep. of like how it happened. So, you know, Gettle is this reminder. No, I'm just kidding. A commemoration. <laughs> Gettle, Gettle is the, the commemoration thereof. Um, the reason why I speak about it is because obviously in all the lockdowns that we've been going through, mm-hmm. we haven't been going out. And the reason why I mentioned the whole attack thing is because I remember the uh, the psychologist we were speaking to, she said it's very important that we do our best to go back to normal as soon as possible. Yeah. But I mean, of course, how could we? A month later, the country went into lockdown. So I've been quite secluded. You know this. You know I have two parents over the age of 70. So I've been very, very, very careful in terms of who I see, who I meet, where I go, because I want to protect them, despite the fact mm-hmm. that some, you know, one of the parents doesn't care to be that careful. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> such is the case for boomers, right? Uh, yeah. I mention this because I have, I've, I'm not really an anxious person per se, but I will admit that every now and again, and I assume this is because we were attacked, I do get some anxiety when I'm around people that remind me of what happened to us. All right. Mm. And this is just in general, like, you know, I don't want to be alone, surrounded by people I don't know. You know, that's what I'm trying to, trying to get at. And yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's like, it's not like I'm super anxious or anything, but what I'm trying to get at is we recently watched a film called The Woman in the Window. And it actually deals with agoraphobia, whereby the, the lead actress, Amy Adams, is somebody who suffers from agoraphobia. And she doesn't leave her absolutely fabulous New York apartment. She's obviously quite a wealthy lady. And the whole story then revolves around her, her psychologist and the medication she takes. And then her inability to distinguish between what is real and what is medically induced hallucinations, coupled with her drinking mm. problem. <laughs> it's a wonderful okay. cocktail for, for problems and issues, all right? <laughs> and the movie itself is, it's, it's decent. It's not great per se, but it's a decent look into... You know, what kind of anxieties a lot of people today might be facing. Mm. Um, for her one, it's a little bit more nuanced. Uh, the movie does a fairly decent job of eventually going through why she is feeling the way she feels, why she is the way that she has become, because she used to be quite a successful child psychologist, you know, and what happened between then and now to why she's an agoraphobic. Now, it's also worth pointing out that the film stars Gary Oldman and Julianne Moore. And Julianne Moore's performance in this film, albeit short, was sensational. Truly. I wanted more of her and her character, and there just wasn't enough of it. Uh, Gary Oldman... Mm. Look, I don't want to give... I know we spoke about the the spoiler paradox in the previous episode, but I feel if I talk about... You know, if I tell you what's going to happen, not that it will ruin it, but it just kind of will... The movie is predictable. I'll put that aside. Also... It's weirdly shot because it's kind of like a homage to, I've just forgotten his name, it was on the tip of my tongue, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock. 
Oh, okay. So if anyone is familiar with his old films and things like that, you will see a lot of that in The Woman in the Window. Now, some people might not like that. And the reason why I mention this is because Hitchcock's portrayal of fear and horror was very unique. Um, yeah. You know, by today's standards, I would say it, it's, it's a classic for a reason, because if you had to reproduce it today, with the exception of the recent Psycho, which when I say recent, but it was like 15 years ago, um, which was done very well, it doesn't really translate as well. You know, like you know, if I'm talking about the lady and she's like screaming and you see like the shadow with an, you know what we're talking about, right? It's very theatrical. Yes, yes, very theatrical. Yeah. So there's a the movie doesn't start off like that. The movie starts off as like a bit of a thriller and a mystery, you know. And what is she seeing? Is it real or is it a hallucination? And then eventually, when you when because it's quite easy to sort of piece together what's going on. Although there's always that doubt of is what's happening real or not. But what I'm getting at is eventually mm. it becomes very Hitchcock inspired, and then it's very OTT. You know, and that that sort of detracts from the rest of the film because, you know, the villain now makes an appearance and you kind of like, okay, we kind of knew that was the villain, but then the villain is just so over the top. You're like, really? <laughs> you know, mm. with the, with like their, their monologue and, you know, them, they're coming for Julianne Moore. I mean, sorry, not Julianne Moore, coming for Amy Adams, you know. <laughs> it's a, it's, look, it's a... a much. Towards the end, yes. And so... Mm. It's an okay film. It's decent. If you want to watch something that's entertaining, at the very least, watch it. It can be a little bit confusing to some, just because of how they they throw in her hallucinations and what happened to her in the past and so on and so forth. Um, but it's it's okay. It's a, it's a decent film. I think the acting was was superb, specifically for Amy Adams and Julianne Moore, regardless of the script mm. and the story and so on and so forth. I understand also that it was based on a book. Uh, a lot of people say the book is better, but when is a book not better than the film? So that's not, you I mean, I haven't read the book and I thought the film was okay, but it wasn't too bad, you know? Okay. You know? Uh, and one of the things in the film also, she, she struggles to breathe through anxiety attacks. So she obviously sometimes doesn't get enough oxygen to the brain, which leads me on to my next film <laughs> called Oxygen on Netflix. Oxygen. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a bit of a bad segue. <laughs> okay, I'm sure many of you were hoping to hear Edward laughing at my segue. The reason why you're not is because everything just decided not to work at that very moment in time while we were recording Gettle. Everything just died. It doesn't matter how many redundancies we have in place. It was just a total mess. And now... Although most of you don't realize it, we're about 40 minutes after we began recording. <laughs> because uh, only sorry. now are things working again. <laughs> and we hope it'll last. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, if it's not the internet, it's the power. If it's not the power, it's software. If it's not software, it's us breaking down because we're old bitches now. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Back into the lack of oxygen and where I was going. And that was, we watched, I, I recently watched a Netflix film called Oxygen. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's, it's pretty decent. It's actually a French film. Um, and I do understand that uh, Naomi Rapace used to be attached to the project, but then she was replaced in favor of another lady whose name I've forgotten to put down here under my notes. So it is one day today, isn't it, Edward? It is just a As day. As always. <laughs> just one of those. Anyway, 
Um, it's a it's a pretty well acted film. It's an unusual film because it all takes place in one singular space with one single actress at the center of it all, and it has to do with. I don't think this is much of a spoiler because it was it was kind of obvious. I I guessed it because I normally watch the things that we that you know TV and movies with my folks, and I was telling them what I thought it was, and they were so shocked that I ended up being right. Um, that it had to do with like cloning and space and, you know, end of the world and blah, blah, blah. I've given you just enough to not really ruin anything, although spoiler paradox. So as I said before, it's, it's very well acted, but as is part of the course for most, most sci-fi TV series and movies, there is always that OTT element of like, so in essence, it's called oxygen because this lady wakes up in a cryo chamber she shouldn't have woken up, obviously. And that's the whole mystery of what, why is she there? What happened? And so on and so forth. And according to the, the AI, she's running out of oxygen. She only has like, I think, 35% or 38% left or whatever the case is. And then, of course, the film goes on and how she tries to, you know, it, you end up finding out who she is and why, she, why it's important and why she is where she is and so on and so forth. But then, you know, you think to yourself, I mean, at least I would think to myself that if you're in that kind of a situation and yes, you know, oxygen is running out, but you know, oxygen is running out. Would you really like overreact and cry for like half of the time that you're in there? <laughs> um, I know. No, I, and I know that. Well, you see, this, this the, is the thing, you know, when you cry, you hyperventilate, right? You, you exactly. end up breathing a lot more. So for me, I suppose in, in certain respects, I was just like, I was like, I was like, listen, lady, you need to calm down because the more you, you overreacting like this to sure your impending death, the less time you have left, you know, and the film in some ways does a good job of explaining away why she's inexperienced. But then at the same time, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't want to say why. Um, like for those of you who want to watch the movie, or maybe I should. Ed, how do you feel about it? I mean, it it, it doesn't. I'll probably not watch the movie, so. <laughs> so I don't know. Okay, a small part of it is she's a clone, all right, and which is for me it was easy to guess that that's what she was, and you know then they go into how she has memories that are hers or not. Anyway, the whole thing is like if she's a clone and she has the memories of the original. You know, given who the original was in this film, she should really know not to overreact in the way that she's been overreacting. Anyway, um, it's a somewhat decent film, but it it is predictable and it can be a little bit nonsensical at times, especially, you know, with this super intelligent AI, which is supposed to, you know, answer questions that she has and that. And it, it, and it has like, it, it, it has a fine line between being awfully dumb and having a lot of sass. <laughs> so, you know, which is a bit weird for an AI that's supposed to be preserving life. Anyway, um, it was it's an it's an overall decent film. I wouldn't rush out to watch it, but you know, if you want to watch a really well acted film that gets a little bit OTT at times, Oxygen isn't too bad on Netflix. Now, speaking All of right. a little bit of cloning, which is what I was, I actually realized now I had to mention that for that review because. It's going to lead me to my next topic, and that has to do with the human egg. Okay. Which we can't like, crack and eat. <laughs> but Yeah, like, uh, is it the ovary? 
or so so the, remember remember the ovary is the like the ginormous factory that produces the ovum which are the eggs mm. all right now the reason why i'm i thought that this was absolutely fascinating is because you know when you think of the cells in the body you automatically assume microscopic well i did not know this and this blew my mind you can actually see the human ovum with the naked eye. I I uh I don't know, it blew my mind. It, apparently it is 0.1 millimeters in diameter on average. And you know, there was a I'll, we'll obviously link to it in the show notes, and it's the most incredible photo of how they put the ovum in a petri dish next to a coin. And you can actually see it. And I just thought to myself, isn't that absolutely incredible how one of the largest cells in the human body is also the one for reproduction, for cool. allowing the human race to, you know, remain non-extinct. Well, I guess you know? it makes sense because that thing, I assume, becomes a baby and a human. Well, in, in conjunction with sperm, yes. You know, obviously, yeah. the two of them join together yeah, in holy so. matrimony. And <laughs> before you know it, there's a baby, you know, a bunch of cells that become a child. So mm. it was just very interesting to me. And then naturally, because I was reading about it, I saw some more really cool information. Like I, I've always known that um, human women are born with a finite number of eggs. Okay. But I never fully understood how that entire process works. And so in just, you know, learning about the size of the cell and so on and so forth, it turns out that most women are bestowed with roughly 600,000 eggs. So at first glance, I was like, whoa. I was like, that is a lot. But like, we don't have that many in our lifetime. You know, if we really, you know, if women have 600,000 eggs, how is it that maybe we only have, okay, well, like, I suppose 10 children is a bit much. But, you know, some people have a lot of big families. What I'm trying to get at is, <laughs> you know, it's not like we as humans have, have um, tens and tens of kids. All right. And so I started looking to this a little bit and it was, I, I learned a little bit more about female reproduction. And what's so interesting about it is that first of all, there's a finite number of eggs and those eggs are from, I think like your 22nd week of development in the womb. They're already there. They're already present, which I think is phenomenal. And at the time of birth, already roughly 10 to 20,000 eggs um, sort of get reabsorbed back into the body. Interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. And then they they stay in the body until puberty, where they now, you know, the, the body has the capability to mature egg, egg cells for reproduction. Now, what's interesting about this, and I didn't know this, is technically, I mean, I knew that normally, you know, once a month during ovulation, there's at least one egg coming down the fallopian tube. Okay. What Actually, I didn't know. Oh, Yes. Uh, on that note, now that you mention it, Hans, I just quickly want to interject. During ovulation, one egg is one bigger egg ovulates, but a mm. woman loses about one thousand miniature eggs, uh, immature yes, I, eggs I know, Ed, each month. We're, we're, we're getting there. So, jeez, <laughs> I'm just saying it, it's not in the notes. So I thought I'll tell so, you that. So, so essentially, the, the the whole the whole thing, the way that it works, is that yes, they're like plus minus what six hundred thousand eggs. But there yeah. are only 200,000 follicles. Now, these are special egg sacs, if that's really how you want to call them. And mm -hmm. what ends up happening is 
In order for an egg to be released, to come down a fallopian tube, it has to go into one of these follicles. However, only 500 of them are released within a human reproductive lifetime. Now, that yeah. sounds like a lot, but it, but it isn't really in the grand scheme of things, right? And this also then relates to what you were saying about how, yes, there is one egg that comes down within a follicle, but then there are a whole lot of others at the same time, which are then expended by the body or, re, or, or um, programmed for cell death in terms of reabsorption. There's actually a name for it. It's called follicular estresia. So... I don't know, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was just fascinating, fascinating. And, you know, there's a little sort of image that I saw and basically they say that, you know, within the womb at about 18 weeks, you have 600,000 eggs. As you're born, you have 590,000 eggs. At the time of your first period, you have 360,000 eggs. And by the time you begin menopause, you have less than a thousand eggs. And it's just an incredible, it's just incredible, first of all, how many eggs are actually there, but then also how the processes are in place so that it's not like every single one of them can be fertilized. You know, there has to be that whole, okay, one has reached maturity. Now that mature egg has to go into a follicle and then that follicle needs to make its way down. So that's why, you know, falling pregnant is is sometimes not as easy as it seems and why it's such a precious thing, you know? And then of course, at the same time, how, you know, some of these follicles might just not attach or they might just fall through or as it would, as it would said, you know, several thousand, maybe once a month just dissipate, you know, they fall right all the way through, you know, it's just um, fascinating. There were a lot of other facts about semen as well, but I feel we've covered that more than enough in, yeah, in previous episodes of, 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 of Gettle, you know, like we, like we all know that, um, you know, the sperm are the fighters. They're the ones that have to, fight with each other to get to the ovum in order to yeah and to be the chosen ones now with fighting on the mind there is a very cool website called the fighting game glossary just a this is just a small little tidbit i don't really think there's much to talk about it with this but it's more along the lines of if you are a connoisseur of fighting games the fighting game glossary will be right up your alley because it is a wonderful website developed by a person who goes by the name of Infilament um, online. Uh, they're based in Canada, allegedly, at least according to their Twitter. And they've put together this website, which acts as a wonderful repository for terms found within fighting games. So perhaps you've heard of somebody play Mortal Kombat once upon a time, and you've heard of the term fatality, or maybe you've watched the movie, which is really bad, but you've watched the movie and you've wondered, what exactly, yes, what exactly is a fatality? Well, the fighting game glossary is here to answer those questions. <laughs> That's cool. That's actually but, super cool. But, but, but genuinely, it's very, very good. And they have all sorts of things. So like if you type in a character name, they tell you about the character. If you type in like a Hadouken, you know, like what does that even mean? You know, the glossary has it to tell you that it's from Street Fighter and so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's just very cool, to be perfectly honest with you. You know? Um, That's mega cool. <laughs> that, do you know what's a, like a little Nintendo... less cool? Yes. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Yes, you were saying? Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask, does it have like Super Mario Bros. Battle or whatever it's called, the one from Nintendo? Super Smash Bros., um, yeah. It's got, it's, yes, it's got, that's the one. It has a whole lot. Like there's uh, Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat, Super Smash Bros., Tekken, Dead or Alive. And there are a lot of like much older ones as well. So it's 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 very good. It's very, it's a, well, it's a cool website rather is what I'm trying to get at. Now, you know, one thing they don't have on there, which is a little bit surprising, is Pokemon. Because, you know, Pokemon fight. Pokemon. Anyone who's played the card game yeah. will know that they do. But do you know where they don't fight, Edward? 
Where? In Pokemon <laughs> Snap. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Ah, okay, so Ooh. I've been playing Pokemon Snap for a while now. I actually wanted to speak about it in the previous episode of Gerald, but I thought, you know what? Let me let me give it some more time because I felt that I hadn't had enough time with it at the time. And, you know, I'm glad that I did. So initially, I mean, my initial sort of overview of the title is I think it is average with a very slight leaning towards being good. And the reason for this is because it has certain gameplay mechanics that are actually far more frustrating than I feel they should be. So for those who are unfamiliar with Pokemon Snap, it is technically a, think of it as a Pokemon Safari. You end up going on this little ship called the Neo One, and you explore different locations and lands where Pokemon are in their wild, and you have a camera, and it's your job to photograph these Pokemon doing weird and wonderful things. And along the way, and the, and as you progress, you're given things like throwing apples at Pokemon to make them do things, or Illumina orbs, which are different for each location. And they also then make Pokemon do unusual things. Or maybe if you throw an Illumina orb at a, a Crystal Bloom, which are these unique flowers that happen in this this... I don't know, new region of Pokemon, uh, you know, certain magical things will happen. Now, in in its concept, a Pokemon Safari sounds phenomenal. It sounds like, yeah. hell yeah, I want to, you know, take my time and go and see what the Pokemon are doing. How, how are they burrowing? How are they interacting with each other? You know, are they cute little things? Who's fighting with whom? You know, that kind of thing. Pokemon Snap gives you a glimpse of that. Unfortunately, it is very much on rails. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with that term from a gaming sense, on rails means that you have no control over how quickly you're progressing through a stage. So the in the game, you like I said, you're in the Neo 1, like portable, I don't know, little car device thing. It kind of looks like one of those balls from Jurassic World. Anyway, you, you're in this this device and it's it just moves. So you don't have the choice of stopping it or going faster or slowing it down. Um, it just moves through the level and then it's your job to do your utmost best to aim the camera as quickly and as fast as possible to capture Pokemon doing things. It sounds fun at first, but it quickly becomes repetitive and as a result frustrating and lastly boring now i I was loath to to say boring because admittedly the more you go through the levels and that's where the repetition comes in because as you do levels you take photographs and as you take photographs the you get you get scored on every photograph and the more the higher your score the higher your level. And every time you go up a level, new things happen within the stage. So perhaps on level one, um, you'll see um, a Bulbasaur or whatever, um, you know, eating a thing. But then on level two, there'll be a Pikachu riding said Bulbasaur, for example. So every time you go up a level, new and more wonderful things open up in each, in each stage, including new pathways. But not having the ability to stop and take it in and enjoy the Pokemon for whatever it is that they're doing is so immensely frustrating. 
there were so mm. many times where you know you're doing this level then like you see something and then you want to you want to keep focusing on it you want to you want to just watch this pokemon doing their thing and off you go <laughs> the neo one just yeah. keeps moving like bye bitch not today you see, know? <laughs> that defeats the entire purpose of the game though in my opinion look i i understand why they've done it you know the whole point of pokemon snap is to snap pokemon so if you have the ability to control the neo one completely you know how fast it moves or maybe just stop it you it takes away i guess the element of being a fast cameraman you know of of quickly getting that one amazing shot of like a growlith you know peering over the um you know just over the over the hill before running away do you get what i mean um but at the same time it's frustrating because I want to be able to take it in. So the thing is, the game is really beautiful. There's so much to see. It's probably the most realized version of Pokemon I've I've ever enjoyed. And it it honestly it far surpasses whatever was available in Sword and Shield. You know, so so given how how wonderful the game looks, you know, I can't help but want to immerse myself in each of these locations. So to be on rails the way that the game is and whereby I don't have the option of just enjoying it actually really frustrates me. And I've noticed how there are certain moments where a um, a Pokemon will be in the way of, of the Neo 1 car. And when that happens, the car doesn't move. And that then allows me to just observe. And in those moments... I enjoy the game the most. So, you know, that for me is the 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 weirdest part about Pokemon Snap. Like I understand there has to be a level of gamification to the title. You know, they got to, there's got to be some sort of a okay, you know, there ha- it has to be on rails because if you could just shoot all the Pokemon as often as you like, it takes away that, you know, that that element of being quick, being fast you know, quickly snapping. You get what I'm saying, you know? I don't know. I guess it's different games, different style games for different gamers. And this is just not doing it for me. And I love Pokemon. Being a quick snapper isn't the the way safari photographers usually work. That's such a good Um, point. That's such a good point. That's that's weird. Actually, that's such a great... No, you've brought up actually a fantastic point. People who photograph wildlife will often camp out for hours to get the perfect shot. Mm. Now, I mean, I'm not saying I want to camp out for hours in Pokemon Snap to get the perfect shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I mean, I would I would love that. I would love to be able to move the car at my own discretion and take in everything. You know, so what yeah. if I want to take 500 shots and move up 10 levels in one one playthrough? You know, I don't know. It's just... um. I suppose it takes away from how the game is structured because like I said, it's repetitive. So every time you go through a level, you have to take photos. Then at the end of every level, you have to show the professor every single photo. And it is just such a slow process <laughs> because you have to first select a single photo of whatever Pokemon you've taken a, a photograph of. Then you have to show said photo to the professor. Then the professor has to rate each photo from a level of one to four and then he has to score the photos and only then after doing this for however many pokemon you've taken and bear in mind it's for every single photo that you want for whatever pokemon 
Only then do you then get a score and then whether or not you've leveled up. And if you haven't leveled up, the option to retry pre- uh, presents itself. You know? But so that's weird then. Why? Because that breaks up the gameplay because now you have this fast safari photography that you need to quickly shoot all the three or four Pokemon on this route. And then you go and and into the slow-ass process. You actually spot on the the number of times I've sat just spamming A to get through the the photo evaluation. I'm just like, I could be playing the game. Like, literally, I've actually had that thought of this should be quicker. Like, I should be able to just select everything Mm. and just press A and then everything gets auto-rated. And if I really want to go in and see the breakdown of every photo, I can. But if I don't want to, and I just want to progress, look... You know, so it's it's things like mm. that. The The game is meant to be, I suppose, on some level, soothing. It's meant to be this enjoyable ride through different landscapes, shooting Pokemon. You're photographing Pokemon. But I actually just ended up getting more and more frustrated and then eventually bored. Now, I've progressed quite far. I've unlocked, I think, almost all of the locations and I'm on level like three, four in some of the places. And I'm not really inclined to go back, to be honest with you. Like, yes, it's cool and it's fun that every now and again there's something new, and especially when you find more Illumina Pokemon. But I feel, you know, I feel, I'm, I feel too frustrated to want to go back. Like, I, I literally, I actually got to a point where I was pushing my way through the game for the review and not actually going back to the game because I enjoyed it. And that, for me, is a very sad state to be in especially because I enjoy the franchise so much. So overall, I would say that as beautiful as it is and as lovely and, you know, you can tell they've put a lot of care into it, especially with the way the Pokemon interact with each other and that. It's an average game in many ways, unfortunately. Oh, that like mm. hurts me to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was wondering. Like, I mean, you know, I'm the kind of person who, who, would, who would have loved to have had <laughs> to own Pokemon, you know, to be in the world. And I mean, I have that replica Pokeball that I mentioned in the other episode, which I still haven't unboxed, by the way. And, you know, it makes me wonder, you're like, you know, how would I track them if they existed today? I mean, goodness knows when I eventually go back to Joburg, I'm going to try and put a air tag on Cobalt, my cat, just to see where he goes. And that leads me to <laughs> Apple's air tags. <laughs> Gosh, so bad. <laughs> But it works. Um, it works. There are super cool devices. For those of you who don't know what they are, an Apple AirTag is like a uh, five rand coin or two euro sized coin. Or is it one euro? I don't know. Anyway, it's like a coin sized little white puck that you can sync with your um, Find My Apple service. And you can put it in bags or in your car, whatever the case is, or on your keys. And essentially, it helps you to find them. But it does it in the most remarkable and Apple-like way where it genuinely destroys everything else in the market. I mean, I know I've been a Tile user for several years and this just... Tile who? Is basically what happens now that I have an Apple AirTag. <laughs> okay. Um, again, why it makes it so phenomenal is because AirTags now use um, all iPhone 10s and above uh, because you know, any basically Apple device with a U1 chip can... It has Bluetooth low energy and therefore can ping AirTags, which have a battery life of over one year. And the battery is user replaceable, by the way. All firsts for Apple. And um, it's just it's just a, 
a fantastic device or, or concept because it literally can bounce off every single Apple device that can currently exist today. And, you know, there are far more people with Apple devices than people who have tiles, for example, because, you know, tile relies on other people having tiles, but not everybody has a tile. But many people might have an Apple device, but not necessarily an AirTag, you see. But if they all bounce off each other. So it's just the coolest concept, in my personal opinion. And it's integrated so beautifully into iOS that you don't even have to think about it. And it's difficult to really talk about in terms of how the app functions in that. But, you know, there are things like how it uses the haptic feedback on the phone for the closer you get to the AirTag that you're searching for, how it vibrates and it dings and on the screen, you know, you see an arrow and it's all just reminiscent of Apple's, you know, penchant for making things work really well when they work. And um, I've actually ordered eight AirTags. I don't know when I'm going to use them all. I only have one being used at the moment, but I'm going to, I'm waiting for things like I bought an AirTag wallet. So I'm going to put an AirTag in there. And then I'm also going to put an AirTag in a keyring that I have on order and possibly put an AirTag on Cobalt. <laughs> like, like I mean, I can take four left. Well, yeah, possibly for my family, right? Um, there's so much more you can say about the AirTags, you know, how, um, you know, for example, they have built in protection so that you can't track somebody that um, doesn't want to be tracked, for example. So like a great example is, let's say me and Edward, and I'm like, I need to know where that bitch is going. And I slip an air tag into his bag. You know, Edward will be notified that there is a strange air tag following him around. Um, obviously, it doesn't happen straight away. It happens after a period of time, as if let's say maybe half a day or a day goes by. Let's say the air tag knows it's not at home. It knows that it's away. And it knows that, that and, and Edward's iOS device is like, I don't recognize that air tag. So he'll actually get notifications saying you have a strange device around you. You know, so there's a lot of cool stuff like that as well. So it can't necessarily be used maliciously, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's a great mm. device. Uh, in terms of a rating, I don't know. I want to say exceptional because of what it brings to the table that no other device like this can do at the moment. That's why I would rate it as an exceptional device. It's just beautiful looking. It's well-priced. It leverages off the entire Apple ecosystem it is the smart tracker that everybody should go for. I don't think it works with Android, though. Uh, so basically, if you if you have an Apple device, of course, this is for you. This is for you. Mm. You know? Hey, Ed? Maybe one day yeah. you could track aliens. Or, 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 no, better yet, it's more like you have one of these in your wallet and then you get abducted by aliens and then people can find out if they're real or not. <laughs> if it's going to work up there. Because, because Obama <laughs> says they're real. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, there's even a there's even a, a sixty minute special on the fact that there's now disclosure happening. So Obama basically just said we don't know what a UFO is. Okay. Yes, because the, no, so they call I them something know. else now. They call them unidentified aerial something. It's a, a U it's a UAF, I think. Right? Or unidentified alien flight. No, not alien. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they've just changed from UFO to a new designation. And I'm just looking at that and I'm just thinking to myself, listen, y'all, we know it'd be UFOs and aliens. Why are you trying to make it something that it's not? You know, um, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. There's, there's a lot of discussion about all the disclosure happening at the moment. Basically around, um, you know, are they prepping us for an actual reveal coming? Because if you think about it, especially with COVID over like the last two years, there's been a lot of like Pentagon has released this and... You know, the, uh, 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 pilots are now talking about, uh, the, they're now allowed to talk about the things that they see. 
Um, oh, there, it's, I think it's UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena. That's it. I say it oh, to be corrected, but I think okay. that's I think that's the no, new I term. I think you're probably. I think it's hmm. the new term. Yeah. Anyway, um, there have been some aliens that Edward has been enjoying over the last week or two. Ed? Enjoying hey? is a term. Remastered aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've been playing lots of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, I love it. It's I lo- just love Mass Effect. Look, to begin I mean. With. Everybody knows um, about Mass Effect, right? I yeah. Mean, we all know Commander Shepard, best, most epic arc in video game history from a science science fiction perspective. Yeah. Because it's not new. I mean, these games are what, like 15 years old already? Like 2007, yeah. I think, was the it's first one? Yeah, 15 now. So, yes. Ed, like legit, I mean, I know, look, I'm, you're a huge fan. I know you can talk hours on Mass Effect. So, ideally, I just want to get them facts from you. <laughs> Okay, the facts about the Legendary Edition. Yes. yes. It's a remaster, nothing but a remaster. Um, it includes all of the DLC except for Pinnacle Station, which the source code has become lost or something. Um, but saying that, Pinnacle Station is just like almost PvP, but single That's player. That's weird. So, so because it they couldn't matter. find the source code, they couldn't include it? I mean, couldn't they just take it yeah. off like the Golden Master disc or something? That's what I thought. I thought hmm. that, but apparently not. So I don't know. Interesting. Right. Um, it's all but Pinnacle Station, which means Mass Effect One only has the the one DLC of the two. Everything else is included. Everything ever released for the games are included um, in the Legendary Edition, including the pre pre order um, suits and skins. Um, oh, that's awesome. Actually. Um, a cool thing now is all of the pre-order stuff, you used to get them right at the start as soon as you could change out your suit or, or your armor. Now yeah. they are um, dotted throughout the the progress of the campaign. Oh, so, 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 so although it's a remaster and not a remake, mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. made one or two small quality of life changes, yeah. I suppose. Uh, yes, um, especially for Mass Effect 2 and 3, more so than 1, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, and also, many, many things you wouldn't expect have also been changed. Like, uh, okay, so so, so it, it's known that you can romance squad mates throughout the game. Hell yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Starting in Mass Effect 2, you can romance uh, Quarian, which is a masked uh, squad mate called Tali. And yep, if yep. you do romance her, you get a photo of her. That photo was subject to huge controversy back in the day because Why? it was just a photoshopped stock image. Now, of what whom? stock <laughs> images exist for? It, it was just a random stock. So um, now they, they completely changed that into a unique new image of Tali. Oh, um, nice. I'm, I'm very excited to explore that once my romance has budded Evolved. enough. But, yeah, but yeah. first it's Liara. My first playthroughs are always Liara. That's my canon. Um, anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they've changed little things. Um, also, in Mass Effect One, um, one of the enemies—it's an anti-human enemy. His name was Hurkin or Harkin or Herk, something yeah. like that. It's a—it's a, it's a Turian yeah. name, but he was always human for some reason. In okay. the Legendary Edition, is he he's now a Turian. <laughs> yes, he's he's remade into a Turian. Which okay, okay, more fair sense. enough. Fair enough. So it's it's little things. Just to make it more, make you more immersed into the the game. Yeah, now, yeah, that, yeah. All that 
as you can as you said i can speak about this for years um i know <laughs> it must be noted that it's just a remaster um mass effect one especially looks beautiful but it still looks the worst of the three games because you, you know i i found that as well um yeah. so i've had a little bit of time with them as well not as much as you have obviously and a part of me really wishes they had done the remake route you know kind of yes. like final fantasy you know yeah uh final fantasy 7 and not just any final fantasy just because as it's dated it still seems dated you mm. know like i don't mean that in a bad way but i mean what, what i'm getting at is you can already play these games and if you have pc you can already mod them to look just as good you know for the most yeah. part that's so it, it just seems a bit strange to me that they they spent a lot of time upscaling them with ai and so on and so forth but you know a remake would have been really good like the recent spyro the crash bandicoots the mm. final fantasy 7 as i mentioned because it deserves it mass yeah, effect deserves really a remake you know and then and then who knows maybe if they had actually remade them we could have had a proper mass effect 4 you know despite the fact that i know you do enjoy andromeda edward it is one of the only ones i haven't played um, so I can't comment on it, whether it's good or not. Well, we are getting Mass Effect 4 now anyway. Um, it's coming. Yes, that's right. So, that's right. Is it going to be Shepard, yeah. though? Because like, I know there was no, a drama well, whether he died or not. So, well, I mean. Um, <laughs> canon is that he did. Um, it's been 15 years. The canon, canon is, is he, he died, die. right? But, but yes. come on. People retcon all the time. Yeah. Right? Like, Just look at DC. Um, it, I'm, I hope that Marvel <laughs> never does. You know, the fact that um, mm -hmm. I Love You 3000 is dead, he better stay that way for the foreseeable future. Because otherwise it's, it'll ruin it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it will ruin it, to be fair. Did you notice how I threw um, that in there without telling people who it was? <laughs> I, I did like that little bit. Um, <laughs> Just Google in case people still don't know. <laughs> if you want, don't want to you know? spoil. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's... it's uh, uh, yeah, so it's still wonky. Gameplay, especially for number one, is is a little bit. It's because it's stiff. old. Yes, um, not just that, but I mean, so I mentioned this to you, and that was the fact that I was disappointed that the menus are not in proper 4K. So, like, I mean, oh, yes, yes, all they've done is they've taken the old resolution ones and upscaled it to 4K, but they didn't remake them. So, like, the buttons look like muddy. <laughs> You know, on my on my big 4K display, and I, I just remember looking at that thing to myself. Really, you really couldn't have just made that a little bit better. You know, why have you taken a what is it a, a one two eighty by seven twenty image and blown it up to 4K and assumed we wouldn't notice? Because I can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, and, and and things like that are very prevalent in Mass Effect One. Um, even even the 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 world and the actual design is is still dated whereas in mass effect 2 and 3 they had the texture files on hand they actually used the raw texture oh, files and I just see, exported those into but 8K again versions. again ed that begs the question why is it mm. worth it for people who already own it on pc i think it probably just to you know or, or rather you know for for the convenience I'm, more than anything i'm just sore okay that Bioshock cancelled Anthem. That's all. It's, BioWare no. is the same damn company. Yeah? No? I mean, I love no. my, I love me with some Mass Effect, okay? But, like, I'm still sore about that. We should remember <laughs> that the Anthem issues, that 
started before Anthony. I know. Okay, fine, fine. I know those are And different. that's what you should different. be sore about. But you should what, be sore what I'm getting... didn't give it the due diligence. Yes. Well, but what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at is, or rather the point I'm trying to say is, is like mm. a remaster was like a cheap-ass way of doing it versus a yeah. remake. That, that that's yeah. what i'm getting at like like you know i under, like it's similar to anthem is what i'm trying to say i know it's different but what i mean is mm-hmm. you know they they there was a game that they could have redone to make better on a good base but didn't now they have a game that was exceptional but chose not to redo it and just sell it again at a higher resolution do you, do you see what i'm saying mm. like it's always the easy way like canceling anthem was easier than re rewriting code so re remastering Mass Effect was easier than remaking Mass Effect. See, that's the EA way. Um, oh, but geez, this is it. It's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. See, b- before the Legendary Edition was announced, and while all the rumors were always circling and going around the mall, it was always said that it might be ported to the Andromeda engine. Even if just the same game, mm, porting mm, it over mm. will automatically essentially remake it even though it's it's a lazy remake um in that everything would just look better because it would automatically have more polygons because apparently the the engine is apparently the engine upscales everything for you and it does smart stuff what what are they using is is that the same one from like fifa and that i i think it's frostbite yes yeah whereas one two you see see, and i would have liked to have seen that i would have liked to have seen mass effect in the Frostbite engine, remade for a new generation. Now, bear in mind, when I say yeah. remade, they don't have to go and redo voice lines and stuff, but they no, could have made better over. facial articulation and yes. you know, upscale the menus, you know, stuff like that. I mean, we're, yeah. we're not talking about completely reinventing the wheel here, but mm. it would have been, in my personal opinion, a better means of preserving this title than just upscaling yeah. it, because that's all that they've yeah. done. And that means that, you know, I know I keep bringing up PC people, but it just frustrates me because even former console owners, like I'm an Xbox owner, so is Edward. These games are available in EA Play and previously if you bought them digitally. So so what? I must now pay just for an upscaled experience when I can play the same game because the gameplay is identical on my backwards compatibility title. You know? That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's a big gray area, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, okay, sorry. I don't. I don't. Want, I don't want to de- put a downer on it or anything because I know no, no, that no, it that's... is. It, it is excellent in many ways. So, yes. so tell us, what is your verdict? And well, and yeah, is it worth with, it? With all of that said, I still think, especially to newer players, like uh, one point we always emphasize in our remaster reviews is that the game is not essential for players who already own the originals, and. I am inclined to say the same for this one, with the exception of, yeah. with the exception of the few gameplay tweaks, like create, like actually making the person a Turian and changing Tali's face. You won't get that in mods. Um, yeah, yeah. But well, that those changes <laughs> are not significant enough to to tell an owner of the pre, the trilogy. To say, okay, maybe you need to buy this, especially on console. Oh, I hear um, you. I hear you. Because yeah. the reason I say especially on console is consoles can't be not modded. Um, but yeah. you yeah. want the original experience. And if you bought the Mass Effect trilogy, not the them separately, if you bought the trilogy, you already have all the DLC. You already have all of that, that, that entire experience. 
Yeah, so, see, you see, that was my mm. point, you know. So maybe I expected too much. Maybe I expected yeah. more from what was clearly a remaster from the get go, not a remake, yeah. but a remaster. Yes, I don't know. Um, I just um, it's a uh, see for yeah. me. Look, my opinion is my score. I would just give it mm. a good. I wouldn't rate it exceptional because. Mm. The story, yes. Everybody deserves to play Mass Effect. If you've never played it before, and this is your first time, please do yourself a favor and jump in. Absolutely. But if you've already played it, and you already own it somewhere else, yes, this experience is very good, but it's good because it's Mass Effect. Not good because they really made any changes to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you fully. Know? Um, fully. Um, and that's the thing. I am petering on good or good to exceptional because um, um, my review isn't published yet. As this goes live, it might be because I am finishing yeah. it up, and I'm still struggling to get that um, to to decide which is it. You see, I think see, it like, will be good. To be fair, you see this. Um, no, no. Look, it's 100 percent going to be good. You can't. Yeah. It can't be less than good. I'm just saying yeah, that yeah, for yeah. me, for me, as a remaster. Yes, it is exceptional in many ways because the three games are absolutely massive. All right, mm. I just feel. You see, I, I'm I'm confusing remaster and remake too much. I suppose, maybe I guess from the perspective of a remaster, it is exceptional because they did yeah. do a very good job. You see, know, they went the through thing. each of the textures, they went through all of the stuff, and the story is incredible. So yes, maybe as a remaster it is exceptional, but what? But as a previous owner, I f only find it to be good. That's the right? caveat. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's caveat. Exactly. Yeah, that that's that's maybe what I would what I would say. Then I suppose because mm. like I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I don't want to not say that it's great. It's it's phenomenal. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, yeah, the the thing is, they changed enough of one to make it feel new, but still aged, still mega dated. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the... I don't know. But it, isn't that a, always the remaster conundrum? It is. It Most of is. these remasters always play so badly, even though they look better, which is why mm. a remake is always so much That's better, way in my to personal go. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, with Aliens on the place. Mind. with a No, no, with <laughs> Aliens on the Mind. Like we've talked about Disclosure. We've talked about Mass Effect. Edward, mm. I see here you say ancient aliens, but I think... It has nothing to do with aliens. <laughs> yeah. So I just put Ancient Aliens there because it reminded me of the TV show Ancient Aliens. But Oh um, my gosh, that show. Let me tell you. Let me you know what? I have to, I have to just talk to you about History Channel. What a oh load of gosh. crock. Yep. Okay. When last when last did you watch History Channel? <laughs> oh, long ago. Long ago. <laughs> so so I you know I'm all online for years now, right? But my folks lived yesterday, and so History Channel was on the other day, and it it comes across as like a BuzzFeed a BuzzFeed article in video form, because it's always like they're like nin 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 the aliens and did you know and no no but was it and then it's like ad break and then they come back and then they repeat the exact same thing in different words for the next fifteen minutes, and then they do that four times and then at the end they're like we'll never know. <laughs> And I'm just like, who is watching this? How are they finding this entertaining? Why? Like, there's literally never a conclusive conclusion to anything yeah. that they, they put out. 
and the ads and the repetition. Now uh, I was like, Mm-mm. anyway, uh, Ancient Aliens. Uh, just the, the name. It's one of it, it. It was one of their best shows for a long it time. It used to be. For and like it has that guy season. with the, the the crazy hair. You know? Yes. Uh, Aliens. Uh, and, and, you know, that it, guy. It, it does. Yeah. It, yes, that guy. That guy. And it all relates to the disclosure that's happening, y'all. Life is out there, or under the ground. Hey, Ed. <laughs> and that's what I'm getting at. So it turns out that South African shark hunters may have, un- well, they have unearthed a colony <laughs> or whatever you call a ancient ass dinosaur fish of fish called the coalanths. 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 Coelacanth. Hold on. Yeah, no, but, okay, okay, hold on. So, so a little bit that I know about a coelacanth, right, mm-hmm. is that they were considered extinct for for ages. Then yeah. over the last couple of decades, one washed up and people were like, how is that possible? This This ancient fish shouldn't exist. And then I remember decades later, they actually caught one on camera. Yeah. So now you're telling me they found... A, a school of them? A whole bunch of them, yes. So For real? That is yeah. amazing. So so for context, this fish, the coelacanth, it predates dinosaurs. It goes back 420 wow. million years. Okay? Hold on. Did you say 420? Yeah, blaze it. 420, um, it's technically called a four, well, not technically, um, some people call it the four-legged fossil fish, um, uh, because it has tiny little leg thingies. Like mandibles, eight yeah. Fins. It's an ugly ass fish, but you can see why this thing survived for 400 It's beautiful, Edward, what are you talking about? It's an ugly ass fish. <laughs> um, now, according to Monga Bay News, um, this reemergence could be linked to shark hunting. Now, it, it, I guess it makes sense because it was shark hunters from South Africa who found the fish in the first place. Fair but, enough. Um, it might be their new, the newer nets they use, which is specifically for shark hunting. It's called dual nets. It's deep sea nets, um, who, which might okay. be bringing the fish but upwards. Are, are they hunting sharks to kill or hunting sharks for science? I don't know. That's the thing. I, I didn't really Google that because I... Don't want to find out about find out about that, but I know that because of <laughs> living in denial. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll rather just be ignorant about that. Um, but because of <laughs> of this, though, um, scientists are worried that the the sealant may be subject to exploitation, especially around Madagascar now, because that's where they keep oh, you finding know this. Isn't that just typical humanity? Yep. Hey, it's it's typical bad. humanity. Of course, now that this ancient fish is available in Madagascar, I'm sure somebody somewhere is thinking how they can grind it up into like some sort of horny sex potion. Exactly. Like look at really. the like look at the pangolins. You know, libido stuff. improvement. It's, it's sad. Well, y'all, um, this is how COVID came to be. Okay. Oh, yes. With that in mind, just a quick one, and I know I know this is not in the notes. Do you know where I'm going with yes, this? Yes, uh, you sent it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did, did you see the scientists are now grouping together because they now want to actually investigate whether or not COVID came naturally or if it was genuinely leaked from a lab. Yeah. And that is huge. And this is an actual investigation for a change, not unlike the, yes. the yes. weird, like, did you do it investigation <laughs> they had at the start of COVID? 
So no, look, and also this is not the the hearsay or conspiracy theory thing. Now we're legitimately talking about reputable scientists from around the world who have now come together and have said, you know, there is there there there, there is smoke where there's fire generally. So yes, they don't they don't necessarily believe it was the case. However, they feel it is necessary that a proper you know, proper research conduct is done to make sure that it didn't get leaked by accident from somewhere. And apparently the Chinese government is very upset about that now. But the thing but, is, if I had hey. an evil lab, Hans, my, <laughs> and I released this, this virus, my <laughs> proof and my evidence would have been deleted like 11 months ago. Already, right? I mean, yeah. it's been like two years exactly. almost since this thing started. I hear you. But, but you know, we might think that. But you always know someone somewhere is keeping something. There's some Just like life. that alleged mistress that kept Hitler's teeth. You know? <laughs> that's <laughs> that, okay, that Granted, that's more, more conspiracy theory than anything else. <laughs> but still, I mean, I just think this is, this is truly a, a fascinating development yeah and you know it i love how it comes at a time where we're also getting ufo disclosure sorry i know i keep bringing that up no, no that's I just good find the whole fact that there is life out there as incredibly interesting yeah you know and, and and it makes me think you know when you put all of this stuff together and how you know you mentioned the pangolin and how that's where they say it came from because you, you know mixing of meats and blood and whatever the case is you know what if somebody was exploring something to do with covid all anybody wants to know now i mean not covid with sars all anybody wants to know was, was it legitimate? Was it deliberate or was it accidental? Yeah. You know, that's really it. That's all everybody wants to know. And if it was accidental, okay, cool. You know, you suck, but still <laughs> you need to know. Like, thank you. Or was it like genuinely <laughs> biological? Like somebody yeah. was developing some biological weapon, in which case you definitely suck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> then you'll be up. Um, yeah. And then you'll be recorded into hieroglyphs. <laughs> Okay, for the rest of your life. Oh, I was, okay. I was just going to say, but before we do, NSFW. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, just for, for y'all out there, before we start talking about these wonderful Egyptians who absolutely love their phallic imagery, which is where we, which is literally where we're going, and their hieroglyphs. Actually, this was this is probably a very small thing to talk about, but it was really really <laughs> hilarious to me. So. You know their fonts, right? Um, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Google, they all have databases with different fonts in them. And everybody knows that Android and Comic Sans, ooh, I can't even think about it. It's making me nauseous. Anyway, um, what I'm trying to get at is there is a font called, I'm assuming it's Sogo or Sahu, and it's UI Historic. <laughs> <laughs> I've always read it as, as Sogo. Yeah, I don't I think, think it's it Sahu. It's so like African. It sounds like muhu, but that's not a very <laughs> nice word. Anyway. Um, no, it's not. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a nice word. Anyway, um, essentially what what I came across is that, and I didn't know this, but the Egyptians have a lot of phallic hieroglyphs, meaning a lot of hieroglyphs that look like penises. And, you know, I mean... I guess, you know, hieroglyphics is very much a visual language. You know, they, they drew things. You know, the more I read into it, there's some interesting things like how, you know, pregnant lady giving birth is obviously for birth. You know, there's there's people with 
like hands to their mouths for eating or for sharing or whatever the case is. Um, you know, there's a, a bound prisoner, which I'm not going to lie, looks very much like NSF, uh, NSFW, BDSM yeah. more than anything else. Okay, let me tell you, let me tell you these kinky, kinky Egyptians. They knew that drawing, what drawing a phallus meant. Anyway, anyway, uh, modern historians say that these phallic symbols um, actually represent man or husband. Uh, not, they're not just dick, basically. That's a, <laughs> so, um, and now the whole reason why I'm talking about this is because apparently this font, okay, um, this typeface has been censored in all of the major operating systems because it includes these phallic symbols, but, but Google, Microsoft, and Apple refuse to show them, even though they're embedded in the OSs. I know. What <laughs> and I'm I just thought that was hilarious. Like, I mean... <laughs> I mean, come on. We've already, everybody's already using the peach for ass, the peach emoji, and the aubergine emoji for, for dick. So, I mean, why not just have a phallic hieroglyph? Just give it to us already. Exactly. Really. I mean, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not such a big deal, you know? Um, so, yeah, that was, that was really it. That was a very basic, very small thing, and we related it well enough to, to aliens, I guess. And <laughs> so, I'm just going to move on to the next one. Edward, what is this? I, I know we had Mass Effect and uh, remakes. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Mass Effect and remasters, not remakes. Yeah. So what is this here about 2021 being the year of the porn remaster? So Do tell. Um, as we all know, our favorite porn website, Pornhub, they tend to be on the... On the tippy top of all that is technology for some reason and it seems like they want to 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 be at the tippy top of history as well and that is remastering Ooh. old projects now now they i would imagine they already are you know yeah in the history of well the was the history of humankind of course we didn't have the internet back then but they already are historic right yeah they do something bigger and better than anybody else including philanthropy i might add anyway okay so so it's officially called the remastered projects uh mastered as in masturbation um and what it does is it it, <laughs> it remasters films going as far back as 125 years now excuse me Excuse my ignorance when Excuse I say me? I had no idea porn existed back then. Um, <laughs> I was, it's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, I know I was, I was saying about like the Egyptians and stuff. And you, I mean, we know that in like the Romans and that, but like, you mean actual Formed. recorded yes. pornography? Yep. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so how it would, uh, well, for reference, let me, let me go down that route first. For reference, a film called The Kiss. It's an 80, 18 second film. So I don't know that that's just the days of 18 second films, I guess. Called The Kiss is, it was made in 1896, <laughs> uh, which means some of our grandfathers wow. might have still seen it. Um, and what it is, it, it's an actual film recording of the first smooch, the first kiss on screen. That uh, ain't no poem. 125 <laughs> years ago, that might have been. That's the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, so fair, enough, fair enough. Anyway, so, so how this thing works is 
uh, Pornhub feeds a machine learning AI 100,000 adult images and videos and then teaches it how to colorize film. Then it goes through several algorithms to basically restore it um, as much as it can without human intervention um, by reducing noise, by upscaling the textures, by, by making images uh, sharper and less, uh, more contrasting. And all of that in order to get it to run at 4K60 for some re weird reason, because back then films only ran at 10 frames a second. Um, and wow. even remasters the audio. This is incredible. And it's so, this is, so... How are they... I, I mean, have no we, idea. We, we, we just last week spoke about Intel's new AI, which is making games look photorealistic. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about a Pornhub AI, yeah, which is going so far as to take a 125-year-old video yeah. and make it 4K 60. Yeah, I have no idea how it works. That is insane. So um, basically the two big films in question at the moment is The Kiss and another one called After the Ball. Um, which is the first film to ever include simulated nudity. Now, I'm not certain what exactly that means. Maybe like cartoon nudity or something. Um, I am going to try yeah, and get yeah. my hands on these films because they should be in the um, in in the open. They should be free to to view. Yeah. Um, and I will report next week back if I find them. Oh yeah, that'll be amazing, Edward. It'll yeah, be amazing. I think so. Um, I think so. If I can get them. When you find them, pass them my way. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. They're like I, I just I want to see. Minute, so. I want to see what, this, what it can do, you know, what yeah. this tech can do. Because to me, it sounds absolutely incredible. Absolutely yeah, incredible. Almost as incredible as Goop's candles. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, the ones that yeah. we have promised that we were going to get for ages now, and we haven't. But I see here, Edward. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, it is actually about Goop's candles. I just it uh, is. that was a, it, the very one. I know <laughs> there was a segue that I was making, but I didn't realize this is actually what this was about. So please yes. tell us more about why so, I, we need to have more of Madame Peltro's coochie cooch or in my less, house, or less because oh, or less. Oh, why? It's What's explosive. Happening? It's the bomb. In fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Mrs. Paltrow, the queen herself, <laughs> and her WAP candle. Um, well, if, if I didn't carry on with that sentence, it would have been so, so weird. Um, it turns out that they spontaneously combust for some people. Um, this is what the do you second mean? case now where the candle has been burnt, burning for a, a little while, and then it goes up in flames. <laughs> Burning everything around it. <laughs> so, yeah, the the newest it's just issue now. That hot. It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a guy going by the name of Colby Watson in, I believe, the UK. Um, he owns this candle. He, he ordered it recently, and according to him, he burned the candle for an estimated. Now, now this this quote sounds so weird because this is what he said. An mm -hmm. estimated three hours or less. This sounds like a lawyer quote, okay? First thing. But that's nothing for a candle in any no, case. No, but the thing is, um, 
what the candle did is it filled the room with smoke and left a black burn on his nightstand. It didn't shatter the glass or anything. So I don't know how that happens. Uh, without I call BS. Yes. Because that's what I call anybody as well. anybody who burns candles, all right. Now I'm a huge candle person, actually. If you're watching this video, you'll see I'm literally gonna bring one out here, as you can see it. Um lovely flavor, this one, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> what what happens is with that one that I've literally just shown, and for those of you who are listening, it basically looks like an hourglass with the wooden top where you pop off and you can light the candle. When the wick gets down to the bottom because you've burnt the candle at least more than three quarters of the way. This particular shape ends up charring the insides of the the glass, but not in a bad way, just in a, you're burning a candle, so it's making a bit of soot on the inside. It easily washes off. This is what this sounds like to me. Yeah, it does. So according to Goop, the claim sounds frivolous um, because they say Heretic, the makers of the candle, have very strict um, quality uh, assurance um Naturally, QA, yeah uh, because it's a candle that is burning as it yeah um but they they also go on to mention that goop have warnings on their products such as specifically for this can candle not to burn <laughs> it for more than two hours at a time at once and once Why? you I, I don't know that's just what they say and okay once and once it, you do if you yeah. snuff it and you start it up again you should Trim the wick. Now it says they this. all say that though. Yeah, yeah mine so, also says that. Yeah, so I guess maybe this person was negligent and they just nah, man. That. This this person look listen. Unless there's some sort of flammable accelerant in the actual wax, there's no way a candle just goes up in flames and burns quickly. Yeah, I mean. It, it, there has to be a flame to actually cause the wax to melt. Wax doesn't just instantaneously melt. It doesn't exactly. do that. Exactly. Unless, you. of course, it it's wax just... inside of a... No, hold on, hold on. Unless it's inside one of those um, lava lamps that you've accidentally sat on. That's different. <laughs> That's very different. <laughs> very, very different. Um <laughs> I just see that's different because and... a lava lamp is is hot all the way through, so the glass actually acts as a filament to warm the wax to bubble up, mm. whereas a candle, the heat is only at the top. It's only coming from the wick, so it can only make the top melt. So the fact yeah. that he's saying that the whole thing burnt up is I I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't. It sounds, as somebody who's it... been using candles for years, I don't believe this for a second. Uh, and that's the thing Goop says. It sounds like this is just a payout thing for a very highly publicized candle, which it is. We've spoken about. It, it's literally our mascot by now. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. It's just interesting. We to, promise to see. we're going to get one. We promise we will get one. We will. Right? Um, we promise. It's just we promise. Interesting <laughs> to see all of these people. Now, this is the second case, as I said. To come out and say, listen, this candle burnt my nightstand to a crisp. Uh, it's just weird. I thought it's worth mentioning that maybe we yeah, might hold I, off I until it, yeah. we, we know exactly if these people are lying <laughs> because, or not. Listen, y'all, I don't need no more fires in my house, please. Exactly. Thank you. If we thank get you. the candle, we'll thank burn you, it please next and to thank the Bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then yeah. we'll outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just okay, and I guess mentioning. that's the end of. NSFW. Yeah. Edward? Yes. 
What a bitch ass mother effing episode. It was <laughs> a bitch. A huge bitch. For those of you who are listening, it might sound like a wonderful hour and 20 odd minutes plus minus because we're not really sure how long we've been going for because we have started and stopped at least five times. And before that, we spent over an hour and a half getting everything working. We don't know what the causes are. All we do know is that I am most likely going to be spending several days reformatting my Mac. So please wish me luck. <laughs> I think that's for the best. <laughs> my word. Never have I ever been so glad to get to the end of an episode of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Generally, I, I, I'm sad to get to the end, but... My word, well, am I glad that we are at the end of this episode because it has been a good four hours now and I am exhausted. <laughs> it's bad. And I still have to put it together. So, anyway. Oh, yes, yes. Anyway, uh, Edward and I, the, melancholy, the melancholia that is on the side aside, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming each week and for ensuring that if we have troubles that are five or six hours long, that it, you make it worth it. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for writing in. And with all of that said, and with all of that in mind, from myself and Edward, we hope to look forward to seeing you again next week. Ciao for now. Bye.